discovery uh, for us in the last several weeks that, you know, worry is a choice. And seeking our own security just fuels our, our worry because the pagans do that. They run after, run after those things. We learned that seeking God's agenda first will free you. You don't have to look on. It's good. Um, and, seeking, and seeking God's agenda will free you because you trust that God has a plan. You trust that God is working. So it's a great, great topic because Jesus comes on the scene and he has the audacity to tell us and to tell his audience at the time, um, which, you know, we would kind of feel weird about if someone came to us all worried. But he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Just focus on today. Now, he wasn't saying to, to be irresponsible. He actually was saying, hey, the things that you're worried about are very important, but you can't control or manipulate the future. So today we're going to wrap up the series with a story from the Old Testament. And it's a very interesting story. We find it in the, in the, in the book of 1 Kings in the Old Testament. And I'm going to have uh, a slideshow for us. But 1 Kings is about, is about kings. Hold on one second. We're just going to move the PowerPoint a little bit here to. Can't seem to move my slide over. Sorry about that. Okay. First Kings. So in first Kings, we, I mean, just to give you a little bit of history. Um, and it's a great story about a guy that had lots of worry. This is uh, the guy we're going to talk about in, in a little bit. I'm going I'm to introduce him to you. Um, and, and this guy worries a lot. And, and God has this phenomenal question for him. And I just think it's a great story. And uh, just to give you a heads up about what's going on, the nation of Israel had a set of kings. And the very first king they had was King Saul. And after him, you, you may know the story that he's the most famous king of all of Israel. And that's David. He killed Goliath. And after David, he had a son named Solomon, and a few of his kids kind of messed things up. They started to worship other gods, and it got really complicated. And so the kingdom divided into two, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The reason why it was called the northern kingdom, because it was in the north part of Israel, and it was called the southern kingdom, Judah, because it was in the southern part, as you can see in the map. Once in a while, the Bible would say the whole thing is called Israel, but for the most part, the northern, northern kingdom was called Israel. So the character that I want to introduce you to right now is Ahab. You, you might remember Ahab. He was the captain on the, on the story of, of Moby Dick. He was trying to capture the whale. Um, if you're drinking your coffee this morning on Moby Dick's ship, uh, his first mate was called Starbuck. So if you're, if you're chewing on some, some Starbucks muffins or have coffee, uh, just know that Starbuck was on the first uh, ship of Captain Ahab, Moby Dick. But I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about Ahab in the Bible. And this guy was a bad guy. He was a bad king. Now, remember, although he's a bad king, God had done for Ahab what God had done for you and he'd done for me. God, you know, he's loving, he's kind, he's generous to Ahab. But Ahab somehow, for some reason, turns his back on God. And he leads his people away from God. In fact, he leads his, the people and he leads God's people to, away from God and to Baal and to worship Baal 
and I have idol worship. Now, Baal was one of the major gods in the ancient Near East, and he was worshiped throughout the whole land. And so, so God, Yahweh, as he's called in the Bible, does what he always does. He sends Ahab a voice. He sends a person into Ahab's life in hopes that he would turn and change direction. You know, sometimes in our lives, God sends a voice to us. If you're a teenager listening to this uh, message this morning, sometimes that voice could be your parents. Sometimes that voice could be just another high school person that knows you, that voice of reason that is trying to communicate and to get you to change directions to face, to do the good versus do the wrong. So we also have different voices as adults. Sometimes it's voices of our friends, of, of our neighbors and people that know us. And, you know, they sometimes challenge us and they said, Hey, Hey bro, do you, do you always talk to your wife that way? Or, Hey, uh, do you always talk to your kids that way? And, you know, they're a voice of reason. They're trying to, you know, get our attention because they may see us going down a wrong path and they're trying to get us back on, on the right path. And usually our response, sometimes it's like, Oh, thank you so much. It's awesome. But sometimes we're like, get out of here, man. We, we say the right things. We sound like, okay, but we don't really listen. We just kind of ignore people in our lives sometimes. And so this is a little bit similar to the story of Ahab and Ahab and, and Elisha, because Elisha is, is, is the, the prophet who God sends to Ahab. So here's what happened. God sent Elijah the prophet into Ahab's life. And Elijah the prophet said to Ahab, he goes, hey, hey, listen, Ahab, God is sick and tired of the way you're leading the people. And so God is going to get your attention. It's not going to rain anymore. In fact, it's not going to rain for a while. And the economy is going to be wrecked. And he's going to get your attention. And then, he, then Elijah left. And Ahab was like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm sure you can turn off the rain. Yeah, right. Well, a month goes by. And then two months go, go by, and then three months go by, and it isn't raining. And meanwhile, God says to Elijah, hey, I want you to go hide. You're not going to be a very popular person for a while. Everyone's going to think you turned it off, but I know you can turn it on. So I want you to go and hide. And, and if, if you're unfamiliar with the story, go ahead and on your own, read First Kings later on this week. It's a fascinating story. So Elijah runs away from Ahab, and yet God's taking care of Elijah. Now, he's not living high on the hog. He's kind of like camping out because God still provides for Elijah while the rest of the country is in turmoil because there's no rain. That means there's no crops. That means the cattle are dying. They have no food. Things are bad. And then three years go by, three years, and God says to Elijah, okay, you need, you need now to go talk to Ahab. And Elijah's like, okay, but he's looking for me. That, that can't be good. And God says, go talk to Ahab. So Elijah surprises Ahab and shows up at the palace. And it's been about three years and there's been no rain. I mean, the economy is a wreck. Ahab has been hunting for Elijah. And Elijah says to Ahab, hey, Ahab, God is ready to teach the nation a lesson if you're ready to learn from it. He's gonna let it rain, but there's a little caveat. 
we're going to have to have a meeting. And so Ahab goes, well, what do we need to get the rain back on? And Elijah goes, well, I want to meet with you. And I want you to meet with, uh, meet with all the prophets of Baal. And I want you guys to meet me on Mount Carmel. And this is Mount Carmel. I want you to bring them there because we're going to have a prayer meeting up there. And you guys are going to pray to Baal. And I'm going to pray to Yahweh. And we're going to find out which of these gods can make it rain. And there's Mount Carmel. Everyone knew where it was. They met on this mountain, and there's over 400 prophets of Baal there, thousands of people from the surrounding cities, and they hear about this contest. They go up there, and Elijah says, okay, you guys build an altar and pray to your God, and I'm going to go over here and build and rebuild this altar that's broken that used to be for Yahweh. So go ahead and start your sacrifice to Baal and see if he can make it rain. So they're sacrificing animals. They're dancing around, they're calling out, they're shouting. This goes on from like breakfast to like noon. And meanwhile, Elijah's building his altar and makes, uh, makes some very, very politically incorrect statements while these guys are dancing around. And while they're dancing around and, you know, they, they eventually begin to slash themselves because they get so desperate and they're trying to get Baal's attention. And, and here's what Elijah says. I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. You know, he, he's up there building this altar. And he says these things to the prophets of Baal who are, who are literally frantic. And he says, shout louder. Surely he's a God, isn't he? Perhaps he's in deep thought. He's making fun of Baal there. Or maybe he's busy. And can you imagine Elijah just sitting there as these guys are, are going crazy? And then he says, maybe, <clears throat> maybe Baal is traveling. Maybe he's uh, out of town or maybe he isn't sending or maybe he isn't starting the fire because, you know, he's not available. Maybe he's sleeping. And maybe you have to wake him up. I mean, he goes, he's going on and on making fun of Baal. So, this goes on until about evening time. And just before evening, they're all tired. All these prophets of Baal are exhausted. They're wiped out. Half of them are bleeding to death. And, and Baal hasn't done anything yet. And Elijah says, okay, it's my turn. So Elijah says, hey, now before I ask God to light my altar, I'd like for you to drench it with water. Now remember, it hasn't rained for three years. so." They don't have much water. And he, he insists that they take that water and they drench the altar. And if you read the story, there's so much water on this, on the wood and on the animal. It's, the wood is soaked. The animal soaked. Uh, the trench around the altar is just filled to the brim. And Elijah's like, look, I did this so you wouldn't think it's some kind of magic trick. So Elijah gets on his knees. And he prays, and God lit up the altar. And the people start saying to themselves, yeah, we're thinking Yahweh's probably God and Baal's probably not. And they turn on the prophets, and they slaughter and kill all these prophets for misleading the people. No one can say the Bible's boring. 
That is crazy. Elijah says, Elijah, Elijah tells Ahab to go back to his palace because it's going to rain. And in the meantime, Elijah takes off with his partner to a hilltop and they're looking at the horizon. And at this, I mean, and, and this little cloud starts to form out there and they get thicker and it gets thicker and it gets thicker. And then it begins to rain. And I mean, it rains heavy. And at this point, Elijah is a rock star. Okay, for the teens, Elijah is a rap star. Okay, he stopped the rain and then he turned it back on. I mean, this guy is fearless. He defied the king's prophets. He showed power. He showed courage. He showed bravery. Meanwhile, Ahab goes home and has a conversation with his wife. His wife's name is Jezebel. Now, there's a name you don't hear very much, right? If you're not a Bible person, her name has a negative connotation to it. If you notice in our society, there's not a lot of people named Jezebel. There's a reason because you know, Abraham married this Jezebel lady, and she was really wicked. I mean, wicked to like the 10th power times 10. I don't know math, but that's pretty bad. Now, I've caught you up to the story. Let's go into the text now of Elijah and about worry and about Ahab and about Jezebel. Now, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I don't make your life like that of one of them. Now, all of her prophets, because we're dead, because she's like the queen of the Baal worship. In other words, here's the deal, Elijah. By this time tomorrow, you're going to be as dead as all my prophets. By this time tomorrow, your life is over. Now, from our perspective, looking at this story, you're thinking and I'm thinking, Elijah should be like, come on over, honey. Okay, I can turn off the rain. I can turn it on. I can turn it off. Did you hear about the fireworks on Mount Carmel? Hey, Jezebel, I got a great idea. Why don't you and I go to Mount Carmel? I mean, what does Elijah have to worry about? She's a powerful woman. She's probably the most powerful person in the kingdom, really, because she's behind all Ahab's decisions. She's, she has lions and tigers and bears, and she has soldiers and troops. I mean, she's got all kinds of stuff. But God has just done something amazing. So from our perspective, what does Elijah have to worry about? Nothing. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Wait a minute. Do you not remember what just happened to you? He was afraid and ran for his life? I mean, what's going on here? You see, Elijah was like, see, Elijah was okay in the now. But Jezebel said, come tomorrow. Your life is over. And Elijah said, oh, no, I'm not afraid of the now. I'm afraid of the tomorrow and he runs for his life. Now, here's what I expect from, from any of us, not, not all of us, but perhaps many of us. We can sometimes forget about God's faithfulness in the now and in the past. And here he, here he is, Elijah, totally blanked out on God's past faithfulness because of the threat about tomorrow. And the story continues, and so he takes off. He runs. 
and, and it picks up here. And when he came to Beersheba in, in Judah, now remember, Judah's in the southern kingdom. He left his servant there while he himself went on a day's journey in the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Now, like I said, Judah's in the southern kingdom. So he left the country, which is about a, a hundred miles away. In fact, the story could say two weeks later, he'd been running for two weeks and he saw this broom bush tree, it has white flowers, it's used for shade. So he, he kind of goes under it and he waits and he says, man, it's over. It's over. It's over for me. Listen to his prayer. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. Now, granted, he's been running for three years from Ahab, and he's been hiding. And he hasn't lived a great life. His life hasn't been great at all. But God's been taking care of him. And Elijah's saying, I'm better off dead. I'm better off dead. And all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over some hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Now, God is watching over Elijah and he sends this angel to strengthen him. I mean, baked bread, warm bread, water. The angel Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. Your journey is long. In other words, Elijah, you're killing yourself, man. I mean, you're so stressed out. Here, eat something. Strengthen yourself. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, this is significant because Horeb is the region that we would refer to as Mount Sinai. It's just a new word for Mount Sinai uh, that they're using. It's like the region of the area and Mount Sinai is a mountain in the area of Horeb. Now, this is where uh, Moses saw the burning bush when he was all alone, and he went and checked it out, and he noticed the bush wasn't burning, and God spoke to him. Horeb is when, after the Israelites left Egypt, they went to the same mountain, and it's, it's called Mount Sinai, and that's the same mountain that Moses received the Ten Commandments from God. So Horeb, in the minds of Jewish people in the ancient culture, is where God hung out. If you can't be around the Ark of the Covenant, go to the mountain. Go to this mountain where God hangs out. So he spends a month traveling to this deserted, lonely, uninhabited place to die, but to be as close to God as he could. Because none of this made sense to Elijah. None of this was, gonna, was going anywhere, and tomorrow was so uncertain for him. And then he went into a cave that's on the Mount Sinai and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What? are you doing here you're miles and miles and miles away from where i had you 
you're miles and miles away from where I had you because suddenly tomorrow seems threatening and you ran away? Elijah, what are you doing here? I love that question because I have a feeling that some of us who are stressed out about the uncertainty of tomorrow, that we've done some running ourselves. What worries does sometimes, it makes us run to places that we have no business being. We run mentally, emotionally, spiritually. We run and detach ourselves from our friends and our families because we're stressed out about tomorrow. We isolate from our relationships. We get distant because we're worried. We run into, into um, areas where we have no business doing, where we, 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 we find ourselves, hey, maybe I'm drinking too much. Maybe I'm angry too much. Maybe I'm doing things I'm not supposed to be doing. What if God showed up in the place where we have no business being? Whether it's a physical location, since we're all in homes, or, or emotional, mental. And what if God says, wait a minute, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Why are you running? Why have you allowed uncertainty of tomorrow? Why have you allowed the threat of tomorrow? And why have you allowed all, all of that to drive you to a place where you have no business being? He replied, I've been very zealous for you, God. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah's like, God, what do you mean what, I'm do what am I doing here? I mean, do you expect me to stay in Jerusalem? Do you expect me to be in the vicinity of Ahab? Do you expect me to be in the northern kingdom? Do you expect me to stay there under the threat of death? Look, I don't know if you've been paying attention. I don't know if you know, if you know what's going on around me. Then the Lord says something to Elijah that's completely irrelevant. The Lord said, go and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass. So Elijah's in this cave. And he says, I want you to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Now, Elijah doesn't obey God because worry has such an effect on our ability to trust God. He doesn't not leave the cave. Now, we don't know what, what, what we, uh, Elijah, in Elijah's head, but maybe something like this is going on in his head. Like, you want me to stand out there and do what? Like, what's that going to do? How is that going to change anything? How's that going to make a difference? Why go on, how can going outside make any difference? And maybe Elijah thinks, let me go over this again with you, God. Let me, let me try to explain this to you, God. Nobody believes you're there but me. Nobody's paying attention to you but me. You haven't done anything. Things are bad. My life is under threat. Jezebel's looking for me. Everybody's looking for me. It's over for me. I'm better off dead. And you want me to go outside and stand in the mouth of the cave? Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. 
but the Lord was not in the earthquake. You know, God's not in the wind. I, I always wonder like what, what God is doing here. If God's just, you know, showing off or just messing around or he's doing something really cool here to show maybe Elijah his power, his presence, that God's coming. And after the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him in a whisper, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah, if there's no me, I could understand what you're doing here, but there's me. Did you like the firework display on Mount Carmel? How about the fire? There's me. You forgot to factor me in, Elijah. You're looking through the lens of circumstance. And in the lens of circumstance, there's no purpose and there's no hope. And if there's no me, there is no purpose and there is no hope. And so Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for, for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. Elijah repeats, I think time, this time not so arrogantly, he repeats the same thing. And he starts to give the same speech. And I think, I, I don't know for sure, but based on what happens next, I think this is true. I think that Elijah is rehearsing his story to God to God, he's thinking about the rocks. He's thinking about the earthquake. He's thinking about the fire. Perhaps he's even thinking about Mount Carmel. And he's beginning to realize that his story really doesn't have a whole lot of leverage because there's God. Apart from God, it doesn't even make sense why he's hiding there. But in the light of what I've just experienced, in the light of God's past faithfulness to me, what am I doing here? Ask yourself, if you're in a place where you shouldn't be, what are you doing there? But I guess that's not all a really good excuse for being in this place, Elijah's thinking. But because you're God, and apparently you're still present, I hear you. I'm starting to hear you. And the Lord said, go back the way you came. And Elijah's like, what? Yeah, go back the way you came. You've run away, and you got to go right back to where you came. You got to start all over. And I want you to go to the desert of Damascus. Now, just to pause for a second, he wants him to go back. Desert of Damascus. And when you go there, anoint Haziel king over Aram. Now, this might be meaningless to us, but let me tell you why this is significant. Aram already had a king. And he says, I want you to go to a different country and I want you to find this guy and I want you to anoint him as king. And Elijah's going, okay, they already have a king. So like, are you changing kings? And God's like, uh-huh, I am. And then also, I want you to anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 God. Israel already has a king too. His name is Ahab. His wife is Jezebel. They're trying to kill me. And God's going, I know we're going to replace the king. And the next thing God says was really kind of odd for 
Elijah and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah to succeed you as prophet. Okay, wait, wait, wait. God, you already have a prophet. Me. And God says, I know. We're getting a new one. Wait, wait, wait. Elijah goes, so, okay, so you've like thought through this. So you have like a plan? So all the stuff I've been telling you about how bad things are, you knew that? Like you have a solution, God? Like there's actually a future, God? Like there's a purpose? Like you're up to something? I didn't know that. And God's like, exactly. That's why you ran. That's why I'm asking you what you're doing here. I haven't changed. I haven't abandoned you. I'm not giving up on you. I'm still God. So what are you doing here? Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed, kissed him. In other words, God's, God's like, in other words, Elijah, you think you're the only one left, but you're not. You think you know all there is to know, so you ran. But you didn't know all there was to know. What in the world are you doing here? So here's, here's my point. If you allowed yourself to worry to drive you into behaviors, habits, and emotional frenzy, if worry has, has driven you to the point where you've driven a wedge through relationships to cause you to do stupid things, to consider things you've never done before, I think this is God's question for you and me today. What are you doing here? If there's no God, I understand what you're doing there. But most of us, and for most of our, most of us, for most of our lives, we've believed there was a God. Many of us have seen bad things, and we're glad because they led to good things. We've cried, and we've had tears roll down our face, and we got baptized. We changed. I mean, most of us have enough history with God that the truth is that there's really no excuse for us to be what we've allowed worry to cause us and to drive us to places where we shouldn't be because God is still in control and God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. And you need to take God's advice to Elijah and you need to get back to where you were and face tomorrow with confidence that God is in there in your tomorrow. Some of us have made things worse than they were. Not only has your worry added, added a, a single hour to your life, Jesus actually says it's removed good things from your life because you feared what you can't control. You feared what you couldn't control, that you never, you never and I never have been able to control. I always find it amazing how today's worries can erase God's faithfulness of our past. Today's worries sometimes just blank out God's past faithfulness. And I want you to think about your victories. I want you to think about what God has done in your life, in your family. I want you to think about all the prayers that God has answered for you. And it's amazing 
how today's worries, not only does it freak us out about tomorrow, it like erases everything God has done in the past. But the worries of today make us doubt whether, there's, whether God is going to be there in the tomorrow. And I can tell you, he will be there. He has a plan. He's been thinking ahead. He's been acting on our behalf. Just as he told Elijah, God had a plan. But Elijah thought there was no God. God must not be involved. God must not care. But God does care deeply. Here's some things we can learn from this story of Elisha. Today's worries can crowd out memories of God's past faithfulness. You know, I, I remember when I worry, and I, I, I live this. This is why I relate so much to Elijah. I can worry about the tomorrow and completely forget what God has done in my past. These last 25 years as a disciple. It just like blows my mind how I, how I find myself in these places where I lose the, the, the memory of what God has done. He's always been there. He's always come through. He's always been there for, for me and you. But just the worries of tomorrow can blot out those memories. It can blind us to see God's presence in the future as, as if God's not working, as if God's not doing stuff, as if God is not paying attention. God is paying a, a whole lot of attention to us right now. He's paying attention to the world. God is working right now in our world. And then there's these moments where you hear God's whispers. What are you doing here? You start thinking, what am I doing here? Why, why am I in this place? Why have I allowed myself to worry so much for the point where I stop praying? I stop reading my Bible. I stop uh, trying to make effort to contact my relationships, my family, and my friends. When you hear those whispers, it, it does something to us. It, it gives us perspective that God has always been here and always will be here. Because God can be trusted with our tomorrow. And that's the message of this series. We do all we can do in the now, in the today. Because God can be trusted with the tomorrow. And so the story of Elijah that wraps up our series on, on worry, many lessons. And the lesson here for Elijah is don't allow worry to blank out all the memories, all the amazing thing, things God has done in your life at Mount Carmel, in the life of stopping the rain, turning it back on, helping Ahab. I mean, all these amazing things that Elijah experienced, being on the run and being fed by ravens, angels. I mean, it was crazy what God was doing, was taking care of Elijah. And God will take care of us. Thank you for tuning in to our series. At this time, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna transition to comments about what has impacted you these last several weeks. And we're going to take communion here, and I'm going to pray for our communion, and then we'll have our time to, to respond and comment. I'm gonna, it's all bow our heads, because I'm going to start us with a little prayer for our elements for communion. God, thank you so much for just the story of Elijah and how, and how many points we can relate to it uh, and how many places where we can find ourselves in a cave um, and just wondering uh, it's over and, and losing sight of who you are, losing sight of 
what you are, losing sight of what you're doing. And I just pray this morning, God, that we're just celebrating the victory of the cross, the victory of the resurrection, that, that we have a future life to look forward to. We have eternal life to look forward to, God. There will be a tomorrow. There will be a tomorrow because you're involved in the tomorrow. Help us to do what we can in the today, God. Help us to, to recenter ourselves. If we're caught somewhere else, God, if we're in a place that we shouldn't be, God, God, recenter us to be where we should be. As we remember the, the amazing resurrection, we celebrate and remember the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
Hey everyone. That was a great, great song, great slide, great scriptures on that slide. Just wanted to open it up for just, hold on a second. We're just gonna fix something real quick. There we go, it's gonna pause the song. There we go. All right, uh, I'm gonna open it up. Just, you know, just to share what's been on your heart, um, you know, these last several weeks, what, what has impacted you, what has helped you, what has encouraged you. and. So um, if you're gonna if you're gonna share, please unmute yourself. Everyone's muted right now, so unmute yourself before you, and then you can start sharing. Okay, there we go. Okay, Hello. I just um, I just wanted to share that uh, I really appreciate the I, the point that's so relevant that no matter what God is doing. Oh, let me put my video on. Um, no matter all the great things that God does in our lives, and even no matter how recent it was, things can happen that make us quickly divert our focus. It makes us quickly forget that. And it's, it's, it's kind of amazing how quick, how easy it is for us to forget the things that God has done in our lives and how God has always worked things out in the past and that he always has a plan that prospers not to harm us. How quickly, if, you know, it's amazing. You can be doing great spiritually. At least you think you're doing great spiritually, right? And you feel all high and you're, you know, you feel great. And then something happens and boom, all of a yeah. sudden you're funk. It's just yeah. how fast that can happen. Yeah. It, it's just startling. And it's just a great reminder to be aware of that and to, to quickly go back, I think, and think about, wait a minute, what has God done in my life? And, and to just literally go through the list of the things that God has done to, it's kind of like get gratitude lists and things like that to get you back. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute, you know, don't believe the lie, you know, get yourself, you know, slap yourself hard and say, man, I gotta, I gotta snap out of it. This is totally bogus. Anyway, I, I thought that was very relevant. Thanks, Mike. Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah? Okay, cool. Uh, first of all, Garces, that's the best lesson I've ever teach, heard you teach your whole life. I've known you a long time. Like, seriously, dude, I was sitting here like, that is the most amazing lesson I've ever heard. Um, it really encouraged our family. I could definitely relate to, uh, you know, we're kind of the same age spiritually, and it's funny how quickly I can forget everything God's done in my life over 25 years in, you know, five seconds of panic. Um, and it's also exciting just to think about, you know, how you pointed out in the, how God was like, you know, Hey, I have a plan. I, I am working. And it is exciting to think about, you know, Hey, God's going to do amazing things through this, um, that I just can't see or understand through my limited, uh, uh, you know, viewpoint and limited uh, mental capacities. But uh, it's very encouraging just to uh, be faithful. And I think one of the main things that I've personally been growing in that God's been teaching me that's been a weakness, you know, forever is learning how to live for today and not instead of, you know, so consumed with tomorrow. Um, you know, I think that it's God's made it much more necessary by basically 
killing our calendar so that if I don't live for today, I'm going to go insane. So just learning how to focus on today and what can be done today, it's really been exciting and encouraging how I've been able to grow in that. And it's made me think like, wow, I really think this is going to be able to be something I have as a strength going forward that God's really helping me grow in right now. So thank you so much, dude. Thank you, Bernsey. Yeah, it's Gavin here. Hey, so I just wanted to share real quick. Uh, it was a great message. It really reminds me of uh, how futile we are. You know, I, it just makes me think we're all like little children. I see it in my own kid. Uh, we can get so consumed with the things in our lives. And we put so much faith into the things in our lives. And it's not until those things are removed that we kind of refocus on really what's important. And I was thinking about before this whole virus hit, even in our own family, how much we're on the run all the time, how much we're going from this thing to that thing, to this thing, to that thing. And it really didn't serve any function at all in pulling our family closer together. It only served to pull us apart. And, you know, uh, having this really forces us to really focus on what's important in our, in our family, right? Uh, because they're not, we're distracted by all these things going on us, around us. And it's the same thing true with God, you know, uh, before this whole thing happened, you know, our focus can get blinded by all the things that we're putting our faith in. Uh, and by going through this, this event, God is really forcing us to put our focus back on him. That was awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Go ahead and chime in if you want to share something. Hello. Um, I agree with Steve. I think this is the best lesson you've ever preached, Leo. And thank you so much. But um, can you hear me? And uh, what I really appreciate about the message, because, you know, Elijah was so victorious and then he ran away. And I just kept on thinking, why did he do that? You know, and for me, when, you know, I have, you know, victories in my life also, but then all of a sudden something came up that, you know, because I have expectations and it, it didn't meet the expectations. And that's what I do as well. Like hide or run away, I get overwhelmed. I get worries can really paralyze me. And I'm thinking, I don't know what was Elijah was thinking at that time. We can ask him when we go to heaven. But maybe he has expectation that, wow, this is such, you know, it showed God's power of what he did. You know, it showed God's power over Baal. And then, I don't know, maybe he's thinking that everyone will follow, you know, after that. But then they didn't, you know. So maybe he was really discouraged. And so he ran away. And, and saw the, the problem, the threat that he could die. And he was the only one. He doesn't have any support. That he didn't have any support at the time. And, and sometimes it can be that for, for my own life too. You know, but not forgetting that. But I need to remember that God is always with me. And that his plan, I may not be able to see his plan right now. Or, 
or in my life, but he always had plans, you know, and I just need to keep um, um, trusting in him. Um, I think for me, uh, the series on worry has uh, taught me that, um, that I have everything. There's nothing I need to worry about because so far I haven't gone outside as much, maybe a Home Depot once, but you know, food, uh, maybe those, those are the things that we go out for. You know, there's, I don't go to the store to look at shop or anything else, you know, clothing, electronics. You know, I realize like I don't need anything, you know, everything I have is already at home. You know, my family, um, you know, just being connected with everyone too. So there's nothing that I need to be worrying about because God provides. And that, um, you know, there's, um, there's always a way and, you know, people are always willing to help if uh, things are needed. So, you know, God's taught me that, you know, in our life, there's nothing really, we may think we need, we may need it or worry about it, but in the end, you know, God still provides. So that's my, um, that's what I learned. Thanks for the lesson. I, I also wanted to share a little bit, and I thank you, Gio and, and Karen, for putting up a service. It's really encouraging. And um, But uh, I was just listening to your message today, and I'm really inspired, and I'm really reminded that um, about how God works in our lives. So in, in the scripture, you, you, we, we, talk, we heard about Elijah, you know, um, uh, in, the, in Mount, uh, in the, what mountain is it again? in that mountain where God showed um, his power, Mount Carmel, right? So he showed the people and the people of Baal and great things happened there. And so I could see why Elijah was so impressed by that. And all of a sudden he hears fears from himself when he heard that Jezebel was gonna take him or get him. And so that made him scared. And so I understand why Sometimes when we undergo certain things that we get scared and we back off and we forget about God. And so after all the good things that he's seen, the great things he has seen, he, he goes off and runs off and hides. And that's how I am sometimes. When I um, have inter, uh, encounter problems, encounter um, discouragement, I hide and I forget and I pray, or, you know, I feel sorry for myself and I, you know, oh God, this is how I feel about it. And it's like all good, you know, to, to let God know how you feel about things. But then God showed him, you know what, Elijah? My powers is not only those big things. Because he showed him, he told him to go outside. And I, I realized like, oh my goodness. Yeah, it's true. God is not only in the big things. He's also in the small things. And so God was whispering to him, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? So sometimes I'm in a rut and I have to ask myself, like, what am I doing here? How am I doing? How am I feeling? How, why do I feel this way? When I know that I have a God who is all powerful and who can, you, who can by you know, click of his finger, like <laughs> Thanos can do everything. So, and I forget that. And so God's, God was showing Elijah, like I'm not only in the small things, I'm also in the big things. I'm here, I'm whispering, I'm here. And so that, that really inspired me and I, I felt like, wow, God really loves me and really hears what's in your heart. And that 
as well gave me an inspiration and inspired me, Gio, to, to listen to that. Thank you for bringing this up because with all the worry, all the big things that's going on, we forget that our God is bigger. And so um, thank you for that and I appreciate you uh, pulling that, this uh, sermon that's really, really impacting and relevant to us today. So thank you. Uh, again, just want <clears throat> to get back on that. Uh, thank you for the, the lesson, Gio. It's, it's a timely lesson. It's, uh, yeah, especially at this time of uh, the, the pandemic. Like I said, it's a lot of words, a lot of uncertainties that's out there. What's gonna happen tomorrow? What's gonna happen the next day? Uh, the next week, um, it's, it occupies our, our mind a lot. And then we forget about God and what he has done for us. So I, I, sometimes I tend to get into that same boat that if, um, you know, you, you plan for the future, you plan for the future, but it's not really me that's planning, right? Because things come up in my head, says, okay, this is what you need to do. It's not me. It's basically the Holy Spirit that's telling you that he's there. He's there, so don't worry about it because he's gonna take care of you. So you look at it as a, like a, a, a weighing, it's a balance. It's like if you have a lot of worry, God is gonna be suppressed. So if you want to uh, put God first up high, the worries come down. So I gotta keep thinking about that. So if I occupy my mind with a lot of worries, I'm not, I'm not hearing God. I'm not, I'm not uh, looking for his guidance. Mm -hmm. So that's, um, you know, that I have to keep in my mind that put God first and everything else will fall in. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that lesson. Appreciate it. Love you, bro. Amen. I can relate a lot to what um, what May said, and um, again, thank you, Gio and Karen, for uh, giving us this wonderful message and this inspiration, which um, is very timely, as other people have acknowledged. Because um, I find that I it's easy for me to go into my cave when things around me seem to be pressing in on me. Um, and when I get in my cave, I feel like falsely, nothing can harm me. I'm safe. I'm in the dark. I'm, nobody can see me. Nothing can, can get to me. And how I realize how foolish that is. Um, <clears throat> need to um, just remember all the things that God has done in my life. And uh, over the years, how I have been able to survive so many things, um, not of my own power, but because of God uh, working in my life. And um, I think the the pressures and the and the hugeness of this worldwide situation um, can tend to, uh, you know, flare up like a huge, like a huge thunderstorm or a huge fire or you know, some, some um, natural disaster. And so I know for me, it's very important to just stay focused on, on God and his plan and um, not worry about tomorrow and, and just um, allow myself to, 
trust and be open to everything that he's doing, continues to do in my life and in our lives. So thank you again for that message. Well, I can share. Um, just want to thank everybody for and in your prayers. Um, we're very grateful and we see how much God loves us through you guys, through your support and through your prayers, really. Um, and Gio and Karen, thank you for taking time to, to plan these lessons, to um, encourage us to not worry. I... I can relate to what people said about, you know, you, you kind of forget about where God has taken you out of and um, <clears throat> going through the, these last days, the first days of, of being um, an isolate, isolated from, from COVID, I was really afraid. I was afraid to sleep. Um, honestly, I, I thought I was going to die in my sleep. That's how terrified I was. And and my symptoms weren't weren't severe. It was just the fear, the fear that comes from from not knowing. And so, after um, praying and just telling God how I felt, how terrified I was, and asking Him to just protect us, I was like, I thought to myself, like, Wow, like you've gone through so much. You've God has brought you through so many obstacles, being a single parent, going through nursing school, not having your family around. And, and, you know, this is, this is just a little virus. <laughs> and so it was um, a test of my, my faith. You know, if God has brought me through so much more, what is this to him? Nothing. He's, he's going to get me through this. And so I'm just, grateful for these lessons because they they help to increase my faith um to remind me that you know god is with me to seek his kingdom first i, I wanted to share this with you guys this is this is my graduation cap from nursing school and it says seek his kingdom first and all will be given to you and and that's my that's my scripture that i turn to whenever I, I can't figure something out. It's like going back to the basics. What do you do? You go to God first. How would Jesus handle this situation? You know, what, what can you take from, from his word? And so I try to deal with my situations like that, you know, to, to be forgiven, forgiving, to be patient, to be loving, to not worry. And, and God just works. He works through that when you, when you have that faith. So um, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you. And I see God's amazing love for me and for my children because of you guys. You guys are my family. And, um, and just, of course, thanks to, to God, because without him, um, we wouldn't be here. And it, it is amazing to see how much um, glory is being, being given to him around the world, just how people in all around the world, celebrities and people, you know, in, in office are just asking for prayers. And, you know, I, I feel like that is true. God is, 
everything we go through is, is for a purpose for us to seek God first. So thank you guys. Hey, Veronica, it's Gavin. Yes. And I just wanted to say, uh, you've always inspired me. Uh, I personally, I know what you've been through because I walked the same path myself. Knowing everything you've been through, you always pushed through. And you're right. God has brought you through a lot. And uh, I've been thinking about you, praying for you. And I just want to say I really appreciate you, and I re you really inspired me. So thank you for your faith. Thank you, brother. I love you guys. You too. And Morgan misses Monty. <laughs> It's awesome, Veto. We, we love you, Veto. Your yeah. inspiration and to us all. And uh, you know, it's all it's all God. <laughs> it's, it's, it's all incredible. him. It's incredible. Do this without him. It's incredible what God's doing. And you chose to run to God. It's awesome. <laughs> okay. Anybody else want to share anything? I'll share. Um, Gio, that was that was such a great lesson. Um, just in terms of what's that? Sorry. Um, that was that was a great lesson. I, I think you know when you really think about the stories. <laughs> Kalani has a lot to say. Um, when you think about the story of the Israelites, right? I mean, the, the constant thing in there is just to remember. You know, even as they were preparing them to go into the promised land was for them to remember because I really think it's human nature that we tend to forget um, a lot of times. We tend to forget the good things. Um, when the bad things come along, that's all we focus on, right? Our vision becomes very narrow. Um, we fail to expand our aperture, open our aperture a little bit more, right? Because we're just humans, you know, we're very limited on what we see in our thought process. I know for me, a lot of things I've been thinking about lately has just really been my career. Um, you know, again, with all the difficulties going on and, um, you know, what's God's plan and I'm panicking and I'm like, have I done my best? Have I done what I need to do? And, and I tend to fail to remember how God took me through this journey, you know, especially with starting my career and, and being where I am today. Um, this was all God. God orchestrated everything from the beginning to the end to where I am today. And it's been so easy for me to forget that, right? It's, I've, I've forgotten about that. I've forgotten a promise I made to God that I wanted to be enamored for him wherever I go, right? Be used by him wherever I go. Uh, I forgot all about that, right? And got carried away with just the worries of of today, of the, you know, of the pregnancy, of, you know, the COVID-19, of the family and everything. And so I, I completely forgot. So I can see how, you know, Elijah being there, doing the very miracle right there and then, and completely forget, you know, and that was what the Israelites did all the time. That was why they built the calf. That's why they built all the stuff, all these idols. It's because they forgot. They forgot what God had done for them. They had forgotten, you know, the miracles that God did constantly, bringing them out of, you know, Egypt and taking them to this promised land. And even going to the promised land, God even told Joshua, hey, they're going to they're gonna disobey. They're going to sin. You know, they're going to do other stuff as much as I'm calling them to remember, right? Again, that's 
that's our human nature, you know, and it's good to be reminded. And I, and I think that's what you did today with that lesson. It's just really just reminding us on how, you know, on how God has always come through for us, right? And how he's always been there for us, even for a good time, how he's always, and he always makes us plans. He knows, he sees the future, he sees the bigger picture, but again, we forget because we're limited. You know, and so I really appreciate your message. For me, it's very timely um, to just really go back and remember um, all the amazing things that God has has done for me. And even at the bottoms, you know, being at the pits, you know, even trying to trying to get into this relationship with God, right? And and being baptized and getting salvation and understanding the importance of all those things that God has done for me uh, through all the years. So thanks for the reminder. Thanks for you know. Um, going back to the scriptures and, and again being reminded of what god is what god is doing um and even good times and times knowing that he he's got a plan you know um and we just need to remember that so thanks for the lesson yeah thank you jill thank you so much uh you and karen just help uh, you know just uh making an awesome lesson um you know i my thoughts is like you know each each person does have a um, it's so awesome that, you know, in that lesson, God is, is willing to come to our level, wherever we're at and having a, um, relationship with him.